listening to Fox Sports Radio. Well, on the heels of the Super Bowl, the Masters, March Madness, and the NFL Draft, we are just days away from the start of the NBA playoffs. And, man, I, I'm, I actually think I'm looking more forward to this year's tournament more than any other since, well, that epic Golden State-Cleveland rematch back in 2016. But I digress. On that note, welcome back to another award-winning edition of Straight Out of Vegas, the weekend adaptation. I'm Bernie Frado. We're coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio studios. Tonight, I will analyze the realistic chances the mercurial, fickle Brooklyn Nets and their three musketeers can actually win an NBA title. And I will give my prediction backed by three solid reasons. In about 15 minutes, we'll be joined by prominent Las Vegas attorney Ron Colquitt as it's time to bring you up to date. Remember him? Um, Deshaun Watson and that whole saga. See, now that OTAs are around the corner, uh, this story is going to become more and more relevant as we get closer to the NFL season. And just because it's been quiet, well, that doesn't mean there hasn't been various machinations taking place behind the scenes. We'll give you a peek behind the curtain. Later on, after Bruin Finley's update, I will delve into the Aaron Rodgers Green Bay Packers soap opera and the relevant collateral damage to both sides if, in fact, Rodgers has truly played his last game for Titletown USA. And, of course, we close down the show with Mackinac Sports. You know him, you love me, can't leave without him. We're going to chop up the NBA playing game ordeal. He's got some good data on this. McKenzie comes through. And why I've gone from not even thinking about it to now absolutely loving it and why I, well, I think the NBA is going to benefit from it. Sports are entertainment, but they're more than that. They're a shared experience. As such, people want to talk about them. You've come to the right place. We've got a lot to talk about tonight. This is Straight Out of Vegas, the pregame show you always wanted. As they say in Byron Buxton, Minnesota, it's going to be lit. All right, it won't be long. Soon, the Brooklyn Nets, well, they're going to have their day of reckoning. Can they finish the job? Can the Lakers creep back into this thing and compete for a repeat? Can the Vegas Golden Knights finally hoist the cup after being so close? Let's see. It's, look, it's never easy. Just ask Gonzaga. In spite of all their accolades and the final analysis, many folks simply said they choked. Hold that thought. You've heard it a million times. It's a common outcry. My team choked. They choked. They always wilt under pressure. And John Wooden, perhaps, he said it best. He said pressure causes some people to break, others to break records. Pressure is real. Self-imposed pressure is real. The best definition of this is when pressure leads to fear. It's defined as holding mental pictures of what you don't want to happen. And anything can trigger this. Casey Stingle once said, teams lose to the Yankees because they can't stop staring at the pinstripes. And to me, this is the biggest weapon the Kansas City Chiefs, led by Patrick Mahomes, always brings to the table. Case in point. Versus the Chiefs last season, Baker Mayfield and the Cleveland Browns had the ball at midfield with a chance to take the lead in the fourth quarter. Mahomes had exited due to his injury, and Cleveland held their future right in their own hands. But the moment was too big for them. That's not a knock. That's a fact. This whole dynamic was new to them and they simply couldn't reconcile it while learning on the job and trying to produce results all at the same time in the conference championship game the same thing happened to the buffalo bills even after they took a nine nothing lead against the chiefs you could see kansas city and their sideline encouraged by their spiritual leader patrick Mahomes, regrouping and readying for battle they'd been there before 
plus their makeup collectively and individually virtually ensured that this is a team that's never going to be intimidated by the moment. You're going to have to run them over to beat them and then back over their legs to finish the job, which, of course, is what Tom Brady and company did, but I digress. All right, now, look, the world of sport, it plays funny tricks on the mind. Most teams have had their fair share of failures and moments they'd rather forget. So when the stakes are high, the biggest fear for any player is that they will choke. You can take a skill they've practiced for years, that usually comes easy to them, and all of a sudden it suddenly, it suddenly seems very hard. Now, there are various theories about why choking happens. There was a psychologist by the name of Roy Baumeister who proposed back many years ago in the 80s that instead of working on autopilot and putting all those hours of training into practice, players shift to a conscious mode of thinking and trying to visualize success when everything's on the line. However, other researchers believe that choking involves some element of thinking that has a prize that's right within your grasp. And all of a sudden, you want it too much. And the thought of that reward becomes so overwhelming that overactivity and the basic reward pathways in the brain, they begin to impair your working memory. Your ability to consciously hold information and procedures, your mind goes cuckoo. You're under pressure. You've self-imposed pressure. It's also important to note that failure doesn't necessarily mean success will always be out of reach. Case in point, eight weeks after Rory McIlroy spectacularly surrendered a lead in the final round of the 2011 Masters in Augusta, he headed into the last day of the U.S. Open a few weeks later in the same position. This time there were no slip-ups and tears, and he won by eight shots. Which brings me to my point tonight. Will the Brooklyn Nets win a championship? I can't get past my eyeball test when James Harden and Kevin Durant, this time they had Russell Westbrook, they were together. They had the Golden State Warriors on their back down three games to one in 2016. It was theirs for the taking. Now, can James Harden and Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving get it done? There is no doubt more pressure on them than any other team in the NBA right now, and it's coming to a head. I'm sticking to my guns. I do not think the Brooklyn Nets will win the NBA title. Here's why. Let me start with Kevin Durant and his health. As most NBA fans know, this season has featured Durant's comeback from an Achilles injury he suffered in the 2019 NBA Finals against Toronto. Now, Achilles injuries are nothing to be taken lightly. They've derailed careers. They've really sucked the athleticism out of a lot of stars, and especially in the NBA. DeMarcus Cousins, Kobe Bryant, Rudy Gay, Wesley Matthews, they just were, none of them were the same upon their return. Now, Durant seemingly has overcome this injury and returned to form, but he struggled to stay on the court nonetheless. He's only played in 29 games so far this season, and then he's had to nurse a hamstring injury. Brooklyn, I get it. They're probably playing in a little cautious and not looking to rush him back given his previous history, but Durant has a checkered past of, in, of uh, injuries, and he's played in over 70 games in the NBA just twice in the last six years. So obviously he'll play less than that in this pandemic-shortened season. But the big thing, in addition to his Achilles injury, he also had major surgery on his foot in 2015. Now, Durant is not a traditional big man. Players of his tall stature, where well, they're kind of known 
for their propensity to injure their lower bodies. And Durant, well, he's undoubtedly doing his best to work his way back, but it's slow. And it's obvious this team's talented enough to land a high playoff seed, which they should, even if they didn't have Kevin Durant. But history is showing that Durant's health and availability could quickly become a problem. Not wishing it on him, not predicting it. But if past his prologue, you can't ignore that. Now, having a two-time former Finals MVP for their playoff run is going to be crucial for them to win a championship. But will it happen? Remains to be seen. But look, a star may win you one game, but a team might win them all. In other words, the Brooklyn Nets are less, in my opinion, they are less than the sum of their parts. Now, people overreacted when the Nets signed LaMarcus Aldridge and Blake Griffin off the you know, the buyout market, with many saying they felt like these moves were once again creating, oh, they're all stacked now. They're, it's going to create an unfair balance of power in the NBA, similar to Durant's time with the Golden State Warriors. I don't believe that for a minute. While it appear that it could have been that way on the surface, there's more than what the eye. And look, Aldridge had a terrific career. He was a seven-time All-Star and a five-time member of the All-NBA team. But his play sharply declined in recent years. And his impact metrics like defensive rating and blocks plus minus paint, he was a definite negative on the court this season. He had been particularly putrid on the defensive end with a bunch of stats that I won't bore you with. And his play was so poor, he was eventually relegated to the bench. Now, Aldridge was never the most athletic guy on the court at any point in his career. And this problem has only been exacerbated, uh, exacerbated by his age. Now, if Aldridge would have still been there, could provide situational scoring and some veteran leadership, but he's like a you know a tree trunk on defense. It's very difficult for him to play extended periods of time, especially on a team that is not great defensively. In short, Aldridge's days as a contributor are over. You could see that. So when Lamarcus Aldridge retired on April 10th, we knew he was done. And although he was diagnosed with an irregular heartbeat, perhaps it's the entire franchise that is, you know, has a heart that skips a beat when it matters most. Now, Blake Griffin's story follows a similar tune. Six-time All-Star, five-time uh, All-NBA member, successful career. This similar to Aldridge, however. Gr you know, Griffin's career was thrown off track by a ton of injuries that robbed him of his athleticism, not necessarily his age. Griffin's had surgery on his left knee multiple times. He's looked like a shell of his former player. He played in just 18 games last year, saw his points per game drop tremendously. On top of that, shot just 35% from the field, 24% on three-pointers. It was obvious he's limited physically, and Detroit eventually shut him down and pack, sent him packing. Look, I know it's cliche, but defense wins championships. Since 2001... Every single NBA championship is ranked at least 11th in defensive rating. There have been several teams to make it to the finals with lower defensive ratings, such as the 2015, 2017, and 2019 Cleveland Cavaliers and the 2019 Golden State Warriors, but none of them were able to bring home a championship. All of this being said, the Nets would be a huge outlier should they win the finals this year, as they currently rank 25th in the NBA in defensive rating. They would not just be an anomaly. They would be one of the biggest statistical outliers among NBA championships since the turn of the century. And in the last 40 years, 36 of the 40 champions were top 10 defenses. 22 were top 5 defenses. Remember that great Lakers defense last year? Defensive chemistry through the roof. Man, they could rotate, switch, communicate, help. They don't give you catches in free space. They contested everything. They defended the perimeter like madmen. They closed out on shooters. They impose their will. 
Man, I hope everybody's healthy. I'd love to see a Lakers-Nets final because you got a prolific offense against that defense. Okay, back to the Nets defense. The counter to this, of course, is that there's never been a team with three players is individually talented and a Harden, Irving, and Durant are collectively. To this point, the 2001 Los Angeles Lakers were able to win the NBA Finals despite ranking 21st in the NBA in defensive rating, and they were able to accomplish this because they had two players who were arguably the best at their respective positions at the time, Kobe Bryant and Shaq. They were enough to backpack a subpar defensive cast to a championship. The Nets certainly have a fighting chance. While this may be the case, it's hard for me to bet against history. If anybody can back this trend, check that. If anybody can buck this trend, it might be the Brooklyn Nets, but I do not think the odds are in their favor, even though they are the favorite. In summation, look, while the Nets are the favorites among odds makers and the everyday fan, they are still far from a championship lock. From defense to insufficient depth to questions about their health of their star players, they still have an uphill climb to the ultimate prize. Now, while they certainly possess the talent and experience necessary to bring a championship to Brooklyn, only time will tell if they can overcome these fundamental issues. But if they don't do what you believe they're going to do, and if they end up causing you to lose your bet, you can be sure of one thing. People will say they choked. Coming up, remember to Sean Watson, well, we're going to be joined by Prominent Las Vegas attorney Ron Colquitt to apprise us on what is going on. The draft is over, life continues, and so does the Deshaun Watson saga. What is up with that? Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year. It's amazing because Discover is accepted at 99% of places in the United States that take credit cards. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2021 Nielsen Report limitations apply. I'm Bernie Frado. We're coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. This is the pregame show you always wanted, so don't go away. You're listening to Straight Out of Vegas. Straight out of Vegas! The great Bernie Frado, folks. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. We are back on Straight Out of Vegas, the pregame show you always wanted. I'm Bernie Fratto, coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. You remember uh, Deshaun Watson? He's gone kind of quiet, but that doesn't mean that the wheels of jurisprudence aren't grinding. So who better to bring in tonight than prominent attorney here in Las Vegas, Ron Colquitt, I guess. Okay, I guess we have a little bit of a technical issue. Uh, guys, let me know when you have him back. Look. These things go sometimes very slowly, and I believe we are now, there are 22 lawsuits, they are all civil, I don't believe there are any criminal, there was talk a while ago of impaneling a grand jury, I don't think that ever happened, so I believe they're proceeding with the legal saga, which is having to do basically with 22 civil lawsuits. So the question now becomes... Are they involved in depositions? Are they involved in discovery? How long is this going to take? Well, if you're the Houston Texans, uh, obviously, if you draft Davis Mills, that's going to raise serious questions in the quarterback room as to whether or not Deshaun Watson is back. 
does this move mean the Texans think Deshaun Watson won't be playing for them again? Well, the pick certainly indicates the Texans know that nothing has really changed in terms of Watson, A, wanted to be traded since he first you know, made the demand in January, plus the 22 lawsuits filed against Watson that allege inappropriate behavior and sexual assault, they remain completely unresolved. And the Texans have said all along they're waiting for the NFL to conclude their investigation before they even comment on the situation. So without knowing how the legal situation will be resolved, there are so many unknowns, including whether or not NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell will suspend Watson for all or part of the 2021 season. See, if the legal process is still playing out when training camp or the season starts, well, Goodell could instead put Deshaun Watson on the commissioner's exempt list. Now, I know people have been talking about this the last couple months, and I've said repeatedly, what are you exempting him from? There aren't any OTAs. There aren't any mini camps. There certainly isn't regular training camp. There aren't any preseason games, and the regular season is still months away. So you don't need to put him on the exempt list. Ironically, Watson would still be paid by the Texans if he was on the exempt list. How about that? Look, even if Watson is not suspended, he could still say, I'm going to sit out the season rather than play for Houston again. This is really so convoluted. If the Texans decide to trade Watson, remember, Casario said multiple times before the first lawsuit was filed, the team had no interest in trading the quarterback. It's in Houston's best interest to wait, probably until after the season when draft slots are locked in and the Texans then will get maximum value. But here's the thing. NFL minicamps are just a few weeks away, and, you know, training camp not long after that. You know, the Texans really are facing a real dilemma with Deshaun Watson, and it's just beginning. You've got the team, the fans, the NFL office. They're all watching this since the allegations of sexual assault were revealed two months ago. Still, after 22 cases filed against him and news about his availability with the Texans has been completely stagnant, Watson had reportedly, he still wants to be traded, still, and, you know, was shouting that from the mountaintops prior to his legal issues. So right now, that's not on the horizon. Now, Jason Lockenfora, a frequent guest here on Fox Sports Radio, typically on Monday nights with uh, Jason Smith and Mike Harmon, 8 p.m. Pacific to 11, great show Monday through Friday. He has basically come out and said, I don't think you're going to see Deshaun Watson in an NFL building. For a long time, certainty, you know, certainly until there's more clarity, because it's a legal situation and it's a league situation and it's a civil situation. And who knows when all this is ferreted out, potentially, I suppose it could even be a criminal situation. Now, I don't think Deshaun Watson has any short term future playing football long term. I still think he's going to be back. I just do. He's a young man. They're going to get through this. I remember very much the Michael Vick situation 11 years ago. I was on the radio, and I was in Michael Vick's corner. He paid his price to society. And I know that, you know, there were threats in Philadelphia that they were going to blockade the stadium, and animal rights activists were not going to allow him to drive his car into the lot. None of that ever happened. Vick not only came back, he played about seven more years, and I think he made at least three Pro Bowls. So I don't see... Any scenario where Deshaun Watson's NFL playing days are over, now this whole thing's got to get sorted out, 
I'd say it's likely he doesn't play in Houston again, but I think he finds himself back in the NFL at some point. He's young, he's valuable, he could help a ton of teams, and most likely the irony is that this whole saga will probably help Houston make a quicker deal, although they might not get the boatload of picks or the, you know, the Herschel Walker-type haul they may have hoped for. I think it might behoove them to just move on and begin anew with the new, uh, you know, a new regime, as it were. Now, look, the NFL drafts somewhat complicated things further when the Texans selected a quarterback in Davis Mills of Stanford at number 67. Uh, on Friday night, the second day of the draft, he was the fourth quarterback on the roster, and he'll be the final stone, I think, on you know uh, kicking the, the grave of Watson's tenure. And that's the way Adam Schefter sees it. These are people that are, you know, pretty close to the situation. Houston can say that Davis Mills was the best player on the board or whatever they want, but the fact of the matter, there are people in the league, you know, NFL circles, uh, who believe that was a reach pick, and they're just kind of covering their bases. And, and you know, it, it's further sort of prima facie evidence that Deshaun Watson just simply will not play this season. And uh, they talked about it quite a bit on NFL Draft Day on day three. And, you know, again, uh, if, you, if you go across the board, people believe his career in Houston's over. And uh, as a result of that, the Texans really, you know, they face a tremendous amount of quarterback uncertainty. This is why they used their third-round pick on Davis Mills. So now here's what you've got, Houston, to look forward to, at least in 2021 most likely. You've got Davis Mills joining Terod Taylor. Now look, Terod Taylor actually got Buffalo to the playoffs one year, but he got beaten out, and then he went to San Diego, had the unfortunate situation with the trainer and the needle, uh, I like Terod Taylor. I think he's a good stop back. God forbid something happens to him. I think next up is Ryan Finley. And that gives the Texans their trio of quarterbacks, David Mills, Terod Taylor, and Ryan Finley. And we're going to be hearing plenty more about this particular situation as the season gets closer. Again, even though it's been quiet in the media in the last 30 days or more, I'm quite sure that there are a lot of legal machinations going on behind the scenes. They're involved in depositions. They're involved in discovery. They're involved in investigations. I'm not sure if the Houston Police Department has completed their investigation. All I know is this. I wouldn't want to be a Houston Texans fan because you were 16 months from leading Kansas City by 24 points on the way potentially to the Super Bowl, and now you're in the toilet bowl. Up next, I'm going to talk about another situation that's not pleasant, and that would be Aaron Rodgers. But first, but first, let's go to the man who once said you only live once, but if you do it right, once should be enough. It's Bruin Finley with the latest. Well, thank you, Bernie. And when you mentioned Ryan Finley earlier, I just want to let everybody know that that's not me. I, I am he not... spells his name wrong. Yeah, he, he does. It's with an I and not an E with the last name. But in my reincarnated life, I will be Ryan Finley. 
and never be able to throw a forward pass in the NFL and still get jobs. The Brooklyn Nets <laughs> curb a four-game losing streak by battering the Denver Nuggets 125-119. to Kevin Durant amassing 33 points. Brooklyn into that two spot in the West by a half game over the Bucks. Damian Lillard goes for 30 points. The Trailblazers body slam the Spurs 124-102. to Portland has dibs on the sixth spot in the West, which kicks the Lakers down to seven. San Antonio is 10th, that last spot in the play-in tourney. Russell Westbrook ties Oscar Robertson for most triple-doubles, 181 in NBA history by claiming that in a game, a 133-132 to win against the Pacers in overtime. And Westbrook also making a clean block at the end of overtime to seal it. He churned out 33 points, 19 rebounds, and 15 assists. The Warriors mentally drained the Thunder 136-97. Steph Curry canning 11 three-pointers, totaling 49 points. The Jazz growl past the Rockets 124-106. The 76ers shred up the Pistons 118-104. Philly leads the East by three games. A couple mentions in Major League Baseball. The Dodgers grill the Angels 14-11. L.A. nearly wasted away a 13-0 advantage. The Giants bang three home runs to quiet down the Padres 7-1. The White Sox diminish the Royals 9-1 after Chicago scored eight runs in the first inning. The Blue Jays hit two jacks to solidify a win over the Astros 8-4. The Mets override the Diamondbacks 4-2. The Braves get by the Phillies 8-7 in 12 innings. And the Rangers throw out a runner at home plate to get the final out in a 9-8 decision against the Mariners. And with that, we send it back to our man from Na- uh, our man from Vegas. It is Bernie Frado, straight out of Vegas, who hits winners a lot more than maybe his batting average in college, which I think Bernie was, what was that, right below the Mendoza line? I'm just kidding. <laughs> I actually hit 314, but thanks for that. As of the dulcet tones of Brian Finley, Bruin Finley, you know him, you love him. Not as much as McCain. Actually, we, we love them all. We love, we love Bruin Finley here. We do. Uh, yes, we do. Uh, Aaron Rodgers. Here's a guy who's made $240 million, $242 million in his career. And, of course, who's counting, right? But you know the story. It's as old as, uh, as uh, anything. Uh, poor men want to be rich. Rich men want to be king. Now, since drafting... Jordan Love, Green Bay's gone 26 and 6. They've been to two NFC Championship games. This is to me all about vindictiveness, Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, you might scratch that itch, but I'm telling you, if you leave Green Bay for any any reason, there will be a price to pay down the road. Now, more and more details are emerging regarding the rift between the Packers and Aaron Rodgers every day. Now, it was reported this last week by multiple outlets that Rodgers wants GM Brian Gutekunst to be fired. It's even been intimated that Rodgers mocked Gutekunst in a group text with, you know, messages with his teammates referring to Gutekunst as Jerry Krause. And yeah, hey, you know, Jerry Krause won six championships. But if you saw the Jordan uh, six-part series, ten, whatever, with ten-part series, Kraus was really portrayed as frumpy and needy. Michael Jordan made fun of him incessantly. At one point, he looked at him and says, Hey, Jerry, you still take those pills? What pills, Mike? Are the ones that keep you so short? I mean, it's brutal. But Kraus did win six championships, and he did find Scottie Pippen. Uh, rest in peace, Jerry Kraus. You know, I guess he's making fun of John Gutekunst. 
comparing him to Jerry Krause because, for whatever reason, Krause didn't show well. But he was a pretty good GM. And you recall Krause, the late GM of the Chicago Bulls. I mean, he was really depicted in a severely negative light uh, during that 10-part documentary on Michael Jordan. So, look, it's also been reported in recent months, according to many sources, the Packers have offered to make 37-year-old, 37-year-old Aaron Rodgers the NFL's highest-paid quarterback. It's I, It's been reported that Rodgers has requested Patrick Mahomes' money. Mahomes is currently getting $45 million per year in new money. Here's the kicker. Average value is one thing. Structure and guarantees are another. If the Packers give Rodgers a deal worth $45 million a year, but the structure doesn't force the Packers to keep Rodgers through 2022 or 2023, the Packers will retain their year-to-year flexibility to flip Rodgers to Jordan Love. Now, Rodgers wants a structure that gives him a guaranteed spot on the roster for at least two to three more years. That potentially could force the Packers to trade Jordan Love. In my opinion, that's the cheat code that gets this done. Structure Rodgers' new deal, put it out there two or three years, and then obviously, and by the way, on the face of it, Do you really think the Packers think Jordan Love is ready to take the car keys right now? No. No, maybe they would have tried to trade him and get whatever value they can. But whatever Rodgers wants, he's given the Packers more than three months to give to him. Technically, it appears they refuse to do so, at least for now, up to this date. So, will the Packers give in? What's the bottom line? The Green Bay Packers say they're not trading quarterback Aaron Rodgers who's told them he's not interested in returning to the team. So how exactly do the Green Bay Packers and their front office appease Rodgers? Short of removing Gutekunst's GM, there really might not be much Rodgers would find acceptable, given he's allegedly turned down a lucrative contract extension, according to Adam Schefter. And by the way, this past week, Yahoo Sports reported that a reconciliation, quote, may not be possible if Gutekunst uh, remains Now, I don't know what to believe. I would say this. There's nothing in the Packers' history uh, of doing business that suggests uh, that they are going to fire, you know, Gutekunst. For his part, Gutekunst has taken steps, apparently, to try to win Rodgers back. He said over last weekend he would welcome input from Rodgers on personal decisions, but added, that's not new. That's not unique. Who do you believe? W- would trading Jordan love to it? Perhaps if the Packers did you know what the Patriots did with Jimmy Garoppolo when they dealt him to the 49ers a few years ago, then maybe that will appease Aaron Rodgers. But the Packers likely would lose big on that trade. They've already invested a first-round pick in love, and all he's done is hold a clipboard, which I don't get that pick, period. This is a team on the cusp of the Super Bowl. So instead of drafting a guy in the first round that can get on the field and maybe help you win that Super Bowl, you get a guy who's standing on the sideline for futures. For what? It makes no sense to me, but what do I know? Now, I mean, again, they, they, they invest a first round and they move up to do it. So unless some team loves him, who's done nothing since, he's you know, third string, an active quarterback all last season, I, who's gonna, how are you going to come up trade interest for, for Jordan Love? Here's the thing. What if Aaron Rodgers actually refuses to show? The only thing mandatory between now and the start of training camp is a three-day mini camp in June. Now, Article 42B of the Collective Bargaining Agreement says – Quote, an unexcused failure to report 
to or an unexcused departure from mandatory off-season minicap carries a maximum fine of $15,000 for the first day, thirty-one dollars for the second, and 47000 for the third. So a player who misses all three days would be fined $94,000. It gets even more expensive. Come training camp, there's a mandatory fine of $50,000 per day plus one week's, according to paragraph 5, one week's base salary for each preseason game missed. The CBA also states those fines shall be mandatory, and this will not be reduced in the amount or weighed by the club in whole or part, but must be paid by the player deducted by the club. That's writing, reading right from the NFL bylaws. Now, if Rodgers retired, the Packers could attempt to recoup the unamortized portion of his signing bonus, which now would total almost $30 million. He would also be walking away from a $15 million base salary and up to $850,000 and likely incentives he would probably earn this season. Again, I mentioned it earlier, Rodgers has made $242 million in his NFL career, and he's already put his $500,000 workout bonus in jeopardy by skipping the virtual portion of the offseason program, which has already begun a week ago. Now, players typically must attend 80 to 90% of the offseason program to achieve their workout bonuses. In summation, there are no winners here. My advice, hug it out. Stay tuned. I'm really kind of enjoying this, sort of. Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year. It's amazing because Discover is accepted at 99% of the places in the U.S. that take credit cards. Learn more at discover.com slash yes, 2021, Nielsen Report limitations apply. Coming up, you know them, you love them, you can't live without them. We're going to talk about this NBA playoff game, man. I think this is getting juicy. So don't go anywhere. I'm Bernie Fratto. We're coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio studios. This is the pregame show you always wanted, so don't go away. You're listening to Straight Out of Vegas. Straight Out of Vegas! One of the best in the business, Bernie Fratto. We are back on Straight Out of Vegas, the pregame show you always wanted. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio studios. I want to uh, thank my broadcast team back in Los Angeles for all their hard work. That would be Bo Benson, Chris Perfett, and Brian Finley, uh, Bruin Finley. Now, uh, welcome, Bo, to the team. Uh, Ryan Bershinger is off to greener pastures. Uh, he's done very well, got himself a promotion. And Bo, and, and by the way, Bo and Ryan do the uh, Swing Shift podcast. You want to catch that as well. Quick programming note. I will be on this network tomorrow with Ryan Hollins on Fox Sports Sunday from 2 to 5 p.m. 49ers fan, I found out today, Ryan Hollins. I am, too. Hell yeah. I love, I love, I don't know if you saw Kyle Shanahan this week. He was hilarious. He said, you want to know when uh, when uh, Trey Lance will start? He said, he's not going to tell me. I'm not going to tell him. Yeah. Everybody will just see it. I, 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 I like the way Kyle, Hans, uh, Kyle Shanahan I loved it. runs his business. It's going to be fun to watch this year and see what happens. All right, you know him, you love McKinley without him. You just heard his voice, Mackinac Sports, with Mackenzie Rivers. Mackenzie, I couldn't have cared less about this stupid playing game until LeBron James opened his mouth last week. And now I will tell you, I can't wait. In the of today, LeBron told on himself with that quote right there. Yeah, not you're you're not wrong because look, they didn't say anything last year when he wasn't in danger of it. Now you know, right. I, I don't know if we're heading to a new NBA where he wasn't crying for the Grizzlies when they got knocked no, out in the play-in no. tournament. Look, but but let's let's unpack this 
in a real sense. And, you know, maybe in the future the NBA says, okay, instead of eight teams per conference, it's only going to be six. Hey, don't be one of those uh, seventh or eighth. And you got, you know, you're going to have 82 games to, to handle it next year. Just so everyone knows, if, you know, in the play in games, the seven seed will play the eight seed and the winner wins, they're in. They're the seven seed. Then the nine team will play the 10 seed. The loser up, but the winner will advance to play the loser of the 7 8 game. The winner of that becomes the 8 seed. So the Lakers technically would only have to go 1 and 1, right? I mean, is it really the end of the world? No. You've still got your fate in your hands. And I will tell you, this could be delicious. If the season ended today, Golden State would play the Lakers. You tell me you're not watching that game? Talk about star power. LeBron. Steph Curry, two most popular players in the league. Not only that, players with history. Everybody can remember five or six infamous moments between those two over those over those four straight trips to the finals they played against one another. I think there's dislike between those two. Oh yeah, hundred percent. It, it just it's just like uh, the quarterback, most popular kid on campus, and a new kid moves in from Ohio, and he's a stud too. And now there's not an affair in the room. And Brian Windhorst reported earlier this year that LeBron is quote unquote recruiting Steph. He's a PR master. He knows exactly what he's doing. But I would be. Very very surprised if those two t- players end up on the same team. I'd be shocked. And just quickly, uh, I think Steph uh, is his own man. He built that. He helped built that in, in Golden State. If he goes anywhere, he'll go home to Charlotte. But let's talk about this potential playing game and look at it from a number standpoint. Yeah. So when LeBron said that, it was less than a fifty percent chance that the Lakers would go into the playing tournament. But he could see the future. He was not going to be in much. You know, the next couple of weeks. And look what happened. Now it's seventy percent. Based on some quick math, back of the nap and math, that the Lakers will be in the play-in tournament. There's still 95% chance to make the playoffs because they're going to host the eighth seed most likely. And then if they lose, they're still going to host the nine or ten seed most likely, or definitely in that case. So there's still so think about it. It's perfect for the NBA. 95% of the time, 19 out of 20 flips of the coin, we're going to see LeBron in the playoffs. But they might be down in the fourth quarter of a play-in game or two. They might have a 50% chance at one point in a certain game. And that is why this is going to be one of the most watched non-finals games, I think, in recent NBA history. One of the other byproducts of this potential play-in game, and I don't know if Adam Silver keeps it. It seemed gimmickly last year. But I, I kind of think this you know, has – there's some meat on the bone here is that it's made the last 10 days of the NBA really meaningful. I watched that Portland Lakers game last night. Those guys played their butts off. They absolutely did. That felt like a playoff game. And you could see how dejected Anthony Davis was when they knew it was a two-score game with seven seconds to go. For good reason. They had less than a 50% chance to be in the play-in before that loss. Now it's close to 70% by my math. And look at the Washington Wizards. Just today, they doubled their chance to make the playoffs. They went from 15% to 30%. And it's been a roller coaster for them when of 15 of 19, they had 1% chance, Bernie, on April 10th to make the playoffs. They've 30 X'd it, and they're, like I said, they might not make it, but there's going to be a fourth quarter, there's going to be a moment, they're going to have their shot to, you know, to make a name for himself. Russell Westbrook needs this. Russell Westbrook is known as a guy that comes up short. He didn't make the playoffs when Durant was hurt that one year in OKC. He hasn't got out of the first round. But if he pulls this off, Bernie, a 1 in 100 shot in late April, with all these triple doubles breaking Oscar Roberts' West. Oscar Robertson's record, it's going to be be something for his legacy for sure. He got his 181st tonight. I think he tied Robertson. 
passed him, it finally happened. He did, and he got the game-winning free throw. And he's, he's what is he going to break it? I mean, it was minus five hundred. I saw today. Our our, J, our friend Jay Smooth tweeted out that he was going to get a triple double. That's insane. Minus eighty percent chance that you're going to get a triple double. That's crazy. By the way, the Lakers are not the only storied franchise that may find themselves in a playing game if the season ended today. Your Boston Celtics would be teeing up against the Memphis Grizzlies. But let's have a little fun with this. Let's estimate what the line would be if Golden State plays L.A., and I believe the game would be in L.A. Yes, because they're the seventh seed. They're very unlikely to be the eighth seed, the Lakers. I estimate that, assuming everybody's healthy, and that's a big if with the Los Angeles Lakers, I think they'll be a seven-point favorite versus Golden State. And I think they have a 75% chance to win that game. But a seven-point line, you lose as a seven-point favorite all the time. And that would be that would be something for Steph Curry's legacy to have in the back of his cap with a far inferior roster. He had the superior roster for many, many years against LeBron, not this time. By the way, another game to watch tomorrow, and it's all tied into the puzzle. Phoenix at L.A. laying six. You might be, And that's my best bet. I like the Phoenix Suns minus six at L.A. tomorrow. You might be saying, McKenzie, they're not in the play-in tournament. Isn't this whole thing about how motivated the Lakers will be? The Suns will be just as motivated because they can knock them out into the play-in tournament and out of the playoffs. And if they don't, they're very likely— or To face could, them in the first round. Yeah, they could face the Jazz or the Suns in the first round. So this could be a huge game for the Suns tomorrow. Max motivation, Chris Paul in Staples Center, back in his old haunches. We'll get it done. Phoenix Suns minus six, best bet. All right, good stuff, McKenzie. And by the way, I'm fascinated by this Phoenix Suns team. They are fun to watch, and they are good. They have been incredibly consistent for the last eight weeks. All right, that's going to do it for this week's edition of Straight Out of Vegas. I'm Bernie Fratto. Next up, the man from Nashville. He brings it strong. It's the new father, Jason Martin. Keep it locked right here on Fox Sports Radio. Straight out of Vegas! 